Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Exodus chapter two, if you have your Bibles. We're going to look at a mother's heart this morning on Mother's Day. Worthy to honor mothers because, you know, really on earth, one man said, you know, tongue in cheek that, uh, you know, God couldn't be everywhere doing everything, so he invented mothers. There's just something about the love of a mother. If you know Wendy's fast food place, you ever been there? <laughs> just saying. You'll see their logo, of course, is the little red-headed, pigtailed girl that will be on their signs. But if you ever look at the necklace that she's wearing, it has the letters M-O-M. Mom, David Thomas was adopted. He uh, was uh, just an orphan adopted by his parents, the Thompsons. And they took him in and taught him, and he was very blessed to have those parents. He'll, uh, he wrote in his book uh, uh, about them, but just ta- talking about them and, and his love for his mother. And that's why, if you've never seen it, if you, it's, of course, it's on Washington. If you want to drive by, you'll see it on the sign. It says MOM. He honored his mother because a mother makes a difference in someone's life. One man studied children and said, what's the difference between one who goes to college and one who turns to drugs? Why do some battered children grow up to be batterers themselves and others grow up to be model parents? Well, the survey of many ways why children's success uh, succeed and deal with both disaster and uh, all sorts of other tragedies of life. One overriding trait is a view of optimism and hope that many of them received from their mother. That this is the critical link in many people's lives is their relationship and their blessing that their mother has been. In the text we're going to read, it's a tragic time in the history of the children of Israel. They're slaves. They're in bondage in Egypt. They're crying out and Pharaoh has begun to be nervous of them what they will become, and afraid of them. So he's made an order that all the male children shall be killed. And the midwives weren't really into this, and we're going to read this. Uh, they kind of say, well, you know, these Jewish women, they, they're not like the Egyptian women. They have children very quickly and, and, and makes up these excuses. But as a result of this one child who is born, his mother makes a great difference 
in his life. Exodus chapter 2, I want to talk to you about a mother's heart, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she, the mother, saw that he was a beautiful child. All right, let's be honest right here. What mom doesn't think her child is beautiful? All right, we'll, we'll, but we'll get to that in just more in a minute. She hid him for three months because when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of the uh, bur- uh, Brussels and uh, for him and dabbed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in it and laid him in the reeds in the bank of the river. And his sister stood off, uh, stood afar off. The child was in it, uh, 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 stood off and, and uh, wa- uh to know what would be done with him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when they saw the ark among the reeds, she sent uh, her maids to get it. And when she opened it and saw the child, behold, the baby wept. And so she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. And the sister uh, said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women that you may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maiden went and got the child's mother. And when Pharaoh's daughter, uh, and then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wage. And so the woman took her child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And his name was called Moses, because I drew him out of the water. I want to talk to you firstly about the uh, the fact that God gives children, and they're given by God for your Raising God has put in his program, if you will, that we are not solely able to take care of ourselves. Now, in the animal kingdom, it's fascinating. You, you see, a, if you've ever seen like a video of a horse being born, they are born and within moments they're up and they're standing, they're walking, they're beginning, the mother's beginning to train them right away. That you see this in, in, if, uh, a, they have just a few months, uh, often we had some rabbits that live under my shed, and so they'll be in our backyard eating grass and dandelions, which I'm glad they eat the dandelions, and so, uh, they eat them, and, and you see the little bunny rot. Now, but, you know, eight months later, they're kind of kicking them out and going on to make new baby bunnies, and, and, you know, uh, trying to, procreate their species and such and but very quickly but a human 18 years and you're never really done right there's that reality of raising and that awesome responsibility that God has placed in the hands of parents and we will look at dads next month but you know one of the realities is is that moms are greatly and feel the awesome responsibility of the children. Dads obviously have a part to play, and we'll look at that, but, you know, dads, moms carry them for nine months before they're even born. 
They're, they're already very, very connected. And they will tell you that a mother will feel it is one of the highest uh, uh, responsibilities of life. Although it brings great joy, it brings great blessing, it also can bring great worry. No one worries like a mother. They, they're responsible. They feel responsible for the care. They feel responsible. And sometimes they're frustrated with their children and they're, when they're not doing well, they'll teach. They'll care. They're the ones who often have to get up in the middle of the night when the child's crying. They're the ones who will wait up. My, my, my in-laws were living in Florida, in Hawaii. And this was exactly 12 hours off of Lithuania. And so it was very easy for them to call us. They would just look at the clock. Or if it was 7 o'clock in the morning there, it was 7 o'clock in the evening at our house or vice versa. And so it was easy for them to know when to call. Well, they ended up moving to Florida. They were now six, six six hours, seven hours off, seven hours off. So, but they had forgotten that there was this different in time change. And so, as a result, one morning, they called us at 3.30 in the morning. We wake up to the phone ringing. And when it was the landline ringing, we knew it was either one of our parents uh, and uh, or somebody from the States that we'd given that number to. And, you know, how many know when you get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, your first thought is, this can't be good. Right. So we get up, we go and I answer the phone. I'm, you know, curious. It's and it's my father in law. And I'm like, okay. And he just starts chatting and he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, it's dad and da da da. And is my daughter there? I'm like, okay. He doesn't want to tell me. He wants to tell her. And so hand her the phone, chatting away and a little bit. And all of a sudden he says, "Do do you want to talk to your mother? And so Carrie says, yeah, I'm still standing there. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're waiting. You know, what's happened? Uh, you know, we're going to have to buy tickets. We're going to have to get back to the state. What's going on? And so mom gets on the phone. She's chatting away. And then finally she says, are the kids there? And Carrie says, mom, it's four in the morning now. You know, it, you know, the kids aren't awake right now. She goes, oh, it serves you right for making me stay up all those nights that you came home late. <laughs> That's a mom. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words I command you shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall walk. Uh, when you shall talk, when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. The responsibility of forming a life, teaching them from everything, from the issues of life, uh, of money, and relationships, and all that. The Bible tells us of Moses' mother, that she also hid him from the world. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 2, our text, the Bible says the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw he was beautiful, she hid him away for three months. Hebrews 11 says of this, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden by uh, for three months by his parents, for they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. 
Something about a mother that wants to protect, wants to take and hold on. Now, one term or thought of this, if you were raised by Christian parents, one of the lies that uh, of, of a teenager is, you never let me have any fun. You ruined my life. How many ever said that to your parents? Don't raise your hand. Anyway, right? And especially when they weren't allowing you to do something, right? When they weren't letting you go or experience, and you think, wow, that kind of got ripped off there. That was kind of bar, you know, my, my, what is she? She, she's hiding you. She's protecting you. Parents can see, you know, something when you're a child, you don't quite get that maybe those aren't the best friends for you. Maybe they're going to take you places to do things you shouldn't be doing in places you shouldn't be. And and it's like, you know, they're protecting you and they're looking out for you. They're trying to protect you from the big bad world. That's what a mom does. This can be true in the physical. It can also be true in the spiritual. If you had a godly mom that didn't let you get involved with all sorts of worldly things, you ought to thank God. Because you know what? I would love to not have done and seen and been and experienced some of the places that I did do those things. Because it's world can be a very dangerous place. And a mom's prerogative is they want to protect. They want to try to help. Now, you can't always protect. Some people are going to, you know, some children, are they're devious and sneaky and they're amazing. You know, even at four years old, they figure out, I was a baby and, I, you know, I, for some reason, I loved the taste of, of baby aspirin. And my mom put it all the way up in the top of the cabinet. And I found a way to climb up on the counter and get into the top of the cabinet. And the only reason she found out I ate the whole bottle of aspirin is I couldn't get the last two out. So off we went to the emergency room and I got my stomach pumped. Right? Because, but she's trying to protect me. She put them up. She's trying to do that. That's what a mom does. She thinks he's beautiful. Other translations says he was goodly, fine, or fair. But this isn't just in the sense of, oh, isn't my baby good looking? A nurse told us that they'll actually put, if you actually, and I'm just warning you now, if you're a nurse, I'm not picking on you, it's just the reality. But sometimes they'll write on the chart, FLK. And we're like, what is FLK? Funny looking kid. A nurse will write that. I'm not kidding. Maternity nurse told us that. But this is more than looks. Because to every mother, their child is beautiful. The old comedian said that when he was in his in the birthing room with his wife and she gave birth to her, their first child, she leaned over and kissed her and said, you gave birth to a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> right? They come out slimy. They come out, you know, and they're you know, all discolored and all that, you know. And they're just... But to a mother, they're beautiful. But... This is more than that. It's actually putting value on. A mother, like no one else, puts value on their children. First Samuel 
16.12, this is the same wording. It says, and they sent, this is speaking about David, and they sent and brought him, and now he was ruddy, bright-eyed, and good-looking. That's the same word for beautiful there. And uh, the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for it is this one. Beauty has much more to do than just skin deep. We all know that in Proverbs talks about the virtuous woman, that her beauty could be fleeting. But the reality is, is that beauty of character, character has to be worked on. Personality as well. Personality and character are not the same things. Personality, there's some people with great personality and horrible character. There's other people, they have good character, but they have zero personality. People skills, manners. Manners come from parents. We had a number of young girls get saved. And it was one of those kind of situations, and and I'm not picking on it, just just for your information, that's just what they were. It was a mother who had had four children, no two in a row by the same man. So they were raised, they, they were raised without a father figure in the house and a mother who wasn't quite clued in on like life. And so they were, they had no manners. My wife would work with them. They were young teenage girls. One was 12. And one was 16, and she would work with them. They would call up, and they'd be like, I need a ride. And she'd say, no, let's start this again. Hi, this is Faith. Is this Carrie? Could I please get a ride to ch- and work with them? Because they had no manners. Their mother wouldn't work with it. But it, mothers put that in, and it's mother. Get your elbows off the table. What's the magic word? Please, right. We all know it, right? The magic word, right? That's what a mother would do. And so this is not at all idea complete list, but the idea is a lot of this is put in by the mother because she sees value. But not only is a responsibility given by God, the mother then has to give their children to God. We don't believe in water baptisms of children. We believe that baptism is a decision that you make as an adult. But we do believe in dedicating the child to the Lord. And we will pray, and when there's a new child, we'll pray, and we'll have a dedication service and a time, and and uh, usually of celebration, people invite family, and it's a great opportunity to remind everyone that, you know what, this is something that you dedicate your children to God. But that reality is only ceremonial, if you will, as opposed to the reality of the day-by-day work of a mother. She has to release them. In verse 3, it says, when she could no longer hide him, She took an ark. She makes this out of burlap. She does, puts pitch in it. She makes this ark and, uh, 
ceremonial uh, thing that she puts there and she puts it in the river. She deliberately puts it in the reed so that it doesn't float out, so the child didn't float out to sea. She has to now give her child over and trust God. When you've done all that you can, when you're doing all that you can, you still have to eventually just say, God, you've got to get involved in this. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 28 says, Therefore I have lent him to the Lord, and as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worship God there. This is Hannah. Hannah's barren. She can't have any children. Her husband has two wives. The other wife is having children. No problem. She can't. So she prays one day in her earnest, heartfelt cry from God. God, give me children. Eli sees her, the high priest, and thinks she's drunk and says, you know, whatever. But a year later, she shows up with the child. She says, this is the child I prayed for. And as soon as he's weaned, I'm going to bring him back and he's going to be a servant. She went on to have other children, but she prays God gives her this son. Samuel lives in the temple. She, he's lent to the Lord for the purposes of God. A mother has to be willing to release. There was times, and I guess there will always be time now where at least one of our children, but there was a time when both of our children were living in different countries than we were living. That we had released them. They gone, and my son, who was, he was saved, spent time with his sister in Holland and, and did well in the church there, moved back to the States, spent some time in Prescott, and, and, you know, he eventually backslid and joined the Marines, but he still calls. He calls his mother probably every day now. But sometimes you have to be willing to release them. Let them go out. Let them skin their knee. Bang their head. Make get a little hurt, discover a little bit how the world works. Without, of course, you don't want to see them backslidden, but you have to release them to what God wants for them. You know, it's very interesting. We knew when we became missionaries that our children wouldn't be very excited about leaving their friends. We we were ready for that. They, you know, eventually both today will tell you it was a great experience. But what we weren't prepared for was the pressure from our parents to come back. Even my in-laws who are saved, who looked at, my father-in-law looked at me and said, okay, when are you going to bring my daughter back? And I remember we left and my wife was in tears in the car. And, you know, it's like, because we weren't geared for that. We knew our kids were going to be like, you ruined our leg. It's like, you know what? We could have stayed in the stage. You would have said the same thing. All right, so get over it. That's what teenagers say. It's part of the mantra of being a teenager. Right? But the other side of that, Mary even dealt with this. 
Mark chapter 3, verses 31 and 32. And his brothers and his mother came to him standing outside and sent calling for him and said to the multitudes around him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Here's Jesus. Who, she knows who he is. If anyone on planet earth knew who he was, it was Mary. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Age 13, when they couldn't find him, went back. He's teaching the Pharisees in the temple at 13. This is a gift of God. She knows he starts his ministry. He starts ministering, praying for people. And they come and they say, you know, we're looking. And what they wanted was him to come back home. You've got to be willing to release them. I know parents struggle with this. But you know what? What God has for them is very beneficial. It's the blessing. It's Rebecca. Rebecca, will you go with this man? What a gamble. What a risk. What a blessing. What's amazing in our text is she gets back what she gives away. She puts him out in the reeds. Pharaoh's daughter finds this child crying and, you know, Miriam, Moses' sister, Moses was not her only child. She, she had a daughter, and of course we know that also Moses had a brother named Aaron. And so as uh, Moses, uh, she's watching this, and, and, uh, and Miriam's there, and she's observing Pharaoh's daughter go and get the child out and have compassion on him. And Miriam speaks up right away and says, oh, would you like to hire someone to nurse him for you? Because I know somebody who could do that right now. And Pharaoh's daughter, I mean, she had to. She couldn't have been that oblivious. That she couldn't know that this was really her mom, his mom. But now she's paid to take care of her child. She's rewarded, and she gets him back. It's amazing what God will do if you'll release him, release her to the will of God. What you'll get back as a benefit is incredible beyond your years. I have friends... I have one good friend. He's actually originally from Buffalo, New York. He pastors. He's got four children, three that are saved and doing well. And his daughter's married and lives in a different state. But he's got a son. And he said, you know what? This son spent some time addicted to heroin. And he was always afraid they would get knocks at the door at two, three in the morning. It would be the police. And they were always afraid it was going to be that knock. Thank God he's done some time in jail and last I heard he's not, he's, he's gotten himself clean. He's not saved yet, but he's at least clean. You get back the benefits, the investment. You don't lose by releasing them to God. 
Acts 16, verses 1 and 2, And they came to Deborah and Lystra. And behold, there was a certain disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Here's a young man, Timothy, who would go on to assist the Apostle Paul, would be involved in all sorts of world evangelism and uh, church planting, that he would be a blessing. And this says that his mother was saved. His father was not. And he turns out to be a major blessing to what God wants to do. Bible goes on to say that she also saw him blessed. The desire of every mother is to see their children succeed in life one way or another. Marry well. Do okay. Now, you know, Pastor Mitchell used to tell his children, I don't care if you preach the gospel or not, go into the ministry, just do me, just stay out of jail. So he'd tell them. Exodus 2.10 And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she also called his name Moses because I drew him out of the water. In a worldly sense, this is incredible because he's now going to be successful. He's going to be blessed. He's going to be financially blessed. Of course, we know he'd lose his job later and have to run and different things. But he would become educated. Doors would be open for him. I can imagine that in his, his mother's heart, I mean, the alternative was he was, he'd be drowned in the river. Now the future that he has. But there was a connection there. Because Moses never lost that understanding. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27, by faith, Moses, when he had come become of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made that decision. Why? Choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater than the riches of the treasures of Egypt, for he looked for a reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, but he endured seeing him who is invisible. Where did he get that? A guess is his mother. Mom gave it to him. Mom put things into him. Mom made the understanding. This didn't come. He wasn't, he wasn't enthralled. Because when he was young, his mother hid him from the world, put something into him that in the end become a great blessing. See, this story tells us that the future that of, of a child is greatly influenced by a mother. It's the responsibility that God puts into your hands with the blessing of return. John Wesley, the great preacher and revivalist, the founder of the Methodist Church who preached throughout the British Isles and the United States, was asked one time, he was the son of a preacher, he's one of, uh, I think they had 19 children. Susanna Wesley had uh, incredible. And he was asked, he said, 
who was the best preacher you ever heard? And without hesitation, he said, my mom. Susan Wesley never preached a sermon that was ever recorded from a pulpit. She never preached a sermon to a congregation. She may have street preached. We don't know. But without hesitation, he says, you know what? It's my mom. That's the influence. Paul writes to Timothy. As in 2 Timothy, Timothy is struggling with his faith. He's struggling in the ministry, is calling. All of these things are going on in his heart. And Paul starts the letter. He says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which were first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded in you also. He says, where'd you learn these? It's interesting that in that list, he's, he doesn't mention fathers, just mothers. He says, you know what? You got these from your, mo- your grandma, your mom. They're blessing your life. Yes, Sunday school can be great, but it's really the blessing of a mom. That's why you have to set boundaries, bring discipline, and also praise. Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Training your child, releasing them. Dr. Joyce Brothers was very prominent back in the 70s. She wrote an article, What Kids Really Need from Their Moms. One is to train their hearts. Mom needs to demonstrate the treating uh, people with uh, well and with kindness and courtesy. So that's important to exceed in school and in sports. Boo less and cheer more, she said. For we all know that praise can do wonders for people. Excessive criticism can result in an overly self-critical child who fears to take risks that lead to achievement. Talk the taboos. We live in a dangerous world. Kids are exposed to drugs, alcohol, sex at a younger, ever younger age. Some others fear that talking about such taboo activity will sanction them, but the opposite is true. A 1994 study of 5th and 7th graders in Southern California, for instance, found that children who had been had honest discussions with their parents were less likely to do drugs and alcohol. Let limits grow as your children grow. Children need to be loved with qualifications. The seeds of self-esteem can grow. Unconditional love does not mean that you set no limits. Setting boundaries demonstrates how important a child is to uh, he or she is to you. When a child oversteps, show disappointment in the behavior, not with the child. She finally says, show the way. Kids need a moral compass. This is instilled in the sense of what is right and wrong. Not only, not only about the big issues, but also in the day-to-day matters. And finally, she says, enjoy them. Your time is short. Moms are often focused on what's important, catching up with the kids' news, helping them with homework. Yet our tense society, children crave something more than a, uh, a, something more. They crave a good time with mom. Motherhood is a big job. 
It's not meant to be a burden, but sometimes you need to be a little less responsible and let go of your demands and have some fun with your children. My mother-in-law used to allow her children, she had six children, and she would have a mental health day. And she would keep one of them out of school and take them out to the mall and, and Friendly's ice cream and that kind of thing. Because the great blessing of being a mom is the reward of service. We don't know if Moses' mom was alive when he fled. Maybe. He was 40. She probably wasn't around when he came back as the deliverer at 80. But I'm sure she would have been proud. I'm sure she would have been blessed to see the success of her son. Proverbs 31, 28 through 30, her children shall rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also shall praise her. Many daughters have done well, but you've exceeded them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. The return is love. The love of a child, it's just so sweet. We got, you know, my daughter called on our way to church. They live in Europe, and so they're already in their evening. And it would be too late when we got out of church. So we call, and, and there's the grandkids, and they're all, you know, I'll, be, I'll always talk to my granddaughters. I'll say, I love you. And one, my, the youngest, she'll go, thank you. <laughs> so finally, oh, I love you too, Papa. But the other one, she'll, oh, I love you most is to the world, is to the moon and back, is to all this kind of stuff. Is to, and it's like, it's very cute. The reward is love. That's the biggest blessing. Someone wrote these words, and I close with this. Love is the greatest reward. The truth is, if we didn't love our children, it would be a lot easier to raise them. We wouldn't feel compelled to worry about them or to figure out what's best for them or to keep them healthy and safe. We'd sleep through the night and wait for them to turn blue. We'd pop them in front of the television with Cheetos and root beer and keep them quiet and go upon our day with peace. But love is what makes you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to chase away the bad dreams to wipe their butts for the 2,035th time and to agonize over meal planning, screen time limits. Love is what makes you put up with power struggles and endless variations of crying and whining, constant physical and emotional upheaval that children bring to your life. Love is the great reward. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Honoring a mom. Thank God. Moses honored, was honored by his mom. And that's why he was able to go on. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe your mom raised you that way. But you still don't know the Lord. Maybe you weren't raised that way. Moses went on to do something great for God. We even remember him today. Many people lived in his generation. We have no idea who they were. But Moses, we know. He did something for God. He was touched by God. He had an experience that turned when he had an encounter with God at a burning bush. 
There's no bushes that are burned here, but I can tell you, you can have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You can have a time where you know that God has forgiven your sins. Jesus said it is being born again. You can experience the love and the grace and the power of forgiveness if you'll simply respond to God's love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe upon Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came for you, and He loves you that much. And if you're here this evening, you're not right with God, no, this morning rather, you're not right with God, you're not born again, it would be our privilege to pray with you and to pray for you. That's you. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly and say, that's me. I'm not right with God, but I need to get my heart right with Jesus. I want to experience the love and the forgiveness of God. I want to know what it is to be born again. You very quickly slip up your hand. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God. You turned away. You need to come back to Jesus. Very quickly, slip up your hand. Pray for me. I'm not saved. I'm backslidden. I need Jesus Christ to forgive my sins to be born again. I'm going to change the call in just a moment, but that's you. You're here then this evening, this morning, and you are a mom. You're a blessing. I'm sure, you know, I can't imagine some of the emotional issues that Moses' mom, she's not actually named in the Bible. We don't know her name. We just know her as Moses' mom. But she has probably a very special place in heaven that we're going to see because she influenced her son that he could go on and do what he needs to do. If you have a mom that has done you right, you need to thank God for her. That she hid you away. That you know what? In those difficult times, oh, and I didn't get to, and I, you know, and I, you know, I'm telling you. You'll be better off. You'd be, you, you need to see the reality of what that is. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars, allow people to find a, time, a place to pray, talk to God, and we're going to honor some moms here. Let's, you're my righteousness. Delivered me from darkness.